questions. Exactly. Thank okay. you. And are there any questions in the chat box right now before we move on? As of right now, there are not. Okay. And I know that a couple people have signed on since we got started. If you could put your name um, and your email address in the chat, we'd greatly appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Barb. And so, um, so as with tranche one, um, the eligibility criteria will remain the same. We are looking at nonprofit and faith-based organizations who have 501c3 status. That is a requirement from the federal government, um, and it is only 501c3 status that is um, allowable for these funds, that's eligible for these funds. Also need to be in good standing with the SEC, provide at least the last three years of IRS 990 forms and other financial documentation similar to tranche one and then can also demonstrate that services provided um, are for residents who've been affected by COVID-19 and again we are focusing on um, recovery efforts now so um, you know we are looking towards the future to ensure that the funds are being utilized in um, in transformative ways and uh, what we are looking for and towards is really a sustainable model that can support multiple years of funding um, in order to maintain um, the the services that we need that would be transformative to specific populations and these populations are outlined in the final rule and um, you know we're looking at disproportionately underserved populations um, and as defined in the final rule so you know we do want to make sure that that is very clear that we are looking at specific groups and so next slide please So with the uh, final rule, there are three buckets of eligible uses. And um, within the first bucket is where we focused tranche $1 on COVID-19 public health and economic response. We knew that there was a considerable amount of um, emergency need and direct service uh, for those who had been negatively impacted by COVID. So the bulk of our response in tranche one was for that first bullet. We now want to, you know, make sure that we are are looking at transformative projects in a way that is making affordable housing, child care and early learning services eligible in all impacted communities. We know that this is a great need um, and based on, uh, you know, board initiatives as well as calls with um, human service directors and um, our human services calls throughout the pandemic. We've been hearing that there are still quite a few um, needs, but really the focus on affordable housing and, um, you know, making services easier to access for residents really is something that we need to be looking into. The third bullet is making certain that community development and neighborhood revitalization activities are eligible in these disproportionately impacted communities. So again, we're looking at qualified census tracts, we're looking at specific local and um, area median income thresholds uh, that were specifically outlined in ARPA this year, 
and um, for Tranche 2. And I will turn it over to Christine Powers. She is, um, we hired Christine on uh, as our ARPA coordinator to help us really focus on what some of the uh, interpretation would be for the final rule and how projects would meet final requirements um, for the federal government. So Christine, do you want to talk about the populations? Thank you, Megan. Yes, um, what Treasury clarified for us in their final rule is some of these eligibility requirements um, as far as income-based, how they are defining low and middle, uh, middle income, and how are they defining these disproportionately impacted communities. Um, they often are also refer to them as underserved communities because they're finding that those who are historically underserved have also been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. So in their eligibility, as eligible uses, they are focusing on economic recovery for those groups um, when it comes to just immediate needs, emergency needs, and also how to better position them going forward and make sure that families and households have the resiliency to get back. Um, and we're not seeing another slow recovery of a pandemic-related recession. Uh, when it comes to defining income, they are allowing us to use both the federal poverty guidelines as outlined in um, um, HH, uh, Health and Human Services, and then as well as the area median income that uh, HUD uses. So they have given us a tool that we will pass on to you. It's on Treasury's website, but we'll make sure everyone has access to it. It is a spreadsheet that has everyone's information all counties across the country all of their area median income is in there and what it does is show us the def definition of low income at 185 percent of poverty level and then area median income which would be like 30 to 60 percent those kind of guidelines what they also allow us to do is without income information, if a household does already qualify or participate in certain other federal or local programs like TAMF, Social Security income, school lunch programs, uh, WIC, SNAP benefits, things like that, um, that automatically makes them eligible for assistance. So we don't have to define any further that this household um, qualifies. We know that because they are already participating in some other of these programs, that they will all automatically um, uh, be eligible. What they also allow us to do is group uh, households or businesses. Um, if we can define them by a census tract or a race or a certain population, we can group things together in such a way that we don't have to validate an indi individual household or business. If we know that they are located in a neighborhood that overall is seeing a low income, we don't necessarily have to prove that that one house uh, falls within those guidelines. So if we're helping a group of individuals or a group of households, we wouldn't necessarily have to define each and every single one of them. We know that that group falls and meets these parameters. So everybody in that group will meet these parameters. So that really helps us in reporting and just being flexible and being responsive so we can address needs quickly without having to worry about an administrative burden. Thanks, Christine. And I will say, um, you know, that we do require the 
demographic variables, including income, um, for the reason of reporting to the federal government. And the expectation is that you, if you have an um, a specific eligibility criteria, that um, that's clearly outlined in in how your services are provided so that we can then aggregate those data and report that to the federal government because ultimately the county is liable for the federal funds that are passed through so in order for us to report well we need you to report well um, and i know that barb has uh, worked with many um, of the current tranche one grantees in in capturing those data and capturing the 100% backup documentation that's required so that we can confidently report to the federal government and then in the event of an audit be able to justify each expense. So that is something that will continue um, with tranche two and it's actually gotten a little more um, defined for what we will be looking for um, in terms of reporting uh, for demographic variables. So just please note that um, as we as we move forward. All right. Any questions in the chat or otherwise before we move on? Uh, Megan, can I mm -hmm. um, I'll add to that too as far as the reporting goes. I know a lot of organizations um, have several different programs that may meet differing needs, um, whether, you know, rental assistance or food assistance. Um, we are reporting those categories uh, separately. So uh, it is important to quantify the families that are being supported by each program uh, because we'll be re reporting by project, by food assistance separately or rental assistance separately or something uh, in that regard. So we'd want to know this separate counts under each program. Okay, thanks for that clarification, Christine. Megan, we do have one question in the chat. Okay. Um, will the application allow for different types of program funding? For example, Tree of Life funds affordable housing, but ideally that would only be part of our funding application for ARPA. Um, and then the second question, what proof of income will be required? So these are really good question. Um, so I think I would need a little bit more clarification for the different types of program funding. I'm not quite sure I understand that completely. Um, but I will say, you know, if you do have differing programs that are under your organization's umbrella, you can certainly request funds for um, for the differing programs that you have. Uh, and so also um, for the proof of income, we are not necessarily requesting that each organization have the same proof of income. We are uh, leaving that up to you as an organization, how you would want to collect that information. We just know that it has to be collected. Um, so if it is a matter of um, looking at uh, W-2 or if it's a matter of, um, you know, having someone sign an affidavit that they've been negatively impacted by COVID and and they are in need of help because they are behind on their bills. That's certainly, you know, any of those are acceptable. And we know that your organizations have quite a bit of different um, data collection methods. So we are not going to dictate or require a specific data collection method um, for income. And I think this is where Treasury is allowing us the flexibility because if we 
are able to kind of connect some dots knowing that a household or an individual is already under certain programs like WIC and Medicaid and things like that, they already have to meet income levels for those programs. So uh, if you maybe don't have a current pay stub or something like that, um, you might also have their documentation from those other programs that they are participating in that maybe could help fill in some of that information for you. Great. Megan, we have a couple other questions. Okay. Uh, will mental health be considered as an eligible use? Yes, actually, um, if we want to, um, we will be touching on that in a future slide. So we'll just hold that one um, for a moment. But yes, short answer is yes. And um, the next question, um, if funding supports education for students with disabilities, not based on income, would we still be able to submit for the costs associated with providing distance learning? I think we would need to know more about the specific program for distance learning. And I think certainly, um, you know, given that we have um, some big buckets that we're, we're investigating and kind of looking into for early learning programs as well as education, uh, certainly that is something that we would want to consider because people with disabilities would be a negatively impacted group and um, historically underserved. So um, we may just have to look at the definition more closely in the final rule to make sure that it fits within um, Treasury's understanding of and, and definition of, of impacted populations. That's a really good question. All right, next slide. Before we get to um, what funding programs we would like some input on, we wanted to just make sure that you are aware of the federal reporting requirements um, for the county. Again, the county will be reporting to the federal government um, for all funds, and therefore we have to have um, the exact data from you that we are going to be reporting. So, um, for instance, you know, we have to publish a recovery plan annually. We also have to publish um, our quarterly expenses and performance reports to the federal government, um, to U.S. Treasury, and it includes all of the bullets that you see on your screen. The use of funds, which includes a description of the services provided and the populations um, of of the service. So, you know, we also have to ensure that we are looking at promoting equitable outcomes and community engagement. And really what we're talking about there is what we just mentioned with, um, you know, AMI and local median income, as well as serving those um, historically underserved populations or those most negatively impacted by the pandemic. We also have to report on the use of evidence. And so this really is something that uh, we will continue to, to support nonprofits on is the use of evidence. Uh, we have to use evidence to inform our decisions at the county on how we spend the funding, but we also have to make sure that we are supporting our nonprofits with the use of evidence. We are required to report um, the type of evidence that's being used or if it's an evidence-based curriculum, for instance, in, in cases of education or mental health, um, you know, evidence-based practices, things like that. Uh, we also have to have expenses by expenditure category. We do have a template that we currently use for tranche one that we'll be using for tranche two. Uh, it is 
it explains um, and kind of lays out all of the expenses along with the 100% documentation backup so that in the event of an audit, we are able to um, provide that to a third party auditing service. And then last but definitely not least are the performance reports and that includes both output and outcome measures. So we do want to know, you know, how many residents you're serving, but also are they better off as a result of your service? Um, in some cases, that's very easy. Uh, you know, you deliver food. They are no longer food insecure for that week or two weeks, um, but there could be larger outcome measures that we want to be looking at over the course of multiple years. So, um, you know, the, the reporting template outlines some of that as well. Next slide. As we talked with, um, you know, through the human service calls with COVID as well as our spring um, 2021 needs assessment, um, looked at the board's priorities as well as um, Loudoun County Public Schools priorities, we came up with three transformational um, programs that would support residents and provide long-term sustainability. Um, and so the first is co-location of services. And what we are talking about when we say co-location of services, there are multiple models that can be implemented that would include co-location of services. It could be shared referrals. It could be um, purchasing a system that supports uh, electronic referrals. It could be um, physically co-locating in a space. So there are a number of um, uh, ideas that could be put forth for co-location of services. The same with child care and early learning and mental health. Um, these are large buckets for a reason. We know that these are priorities and will help um, residents, especially those who are our most vulnerable, um, help them recover and continue to recover from the pandemic as we move into the next phase. Um, and so we do want to focus on these three larger buckets and what those might look like in Loudoun County to be sustainable projects. Um, we also will maintain emergency direct services to a lesser extent, um, and we would love to hear some feedback from you on that just to better understand, um, you know, in what ways you are still seeing emergency services front and center, but also how you are seeing the change in your services as we know the unemployment rate has lowered and, um, you know, folks are getting back to work. We now have higher minimum wages federally. So um, what do those sorts of things, how, how is that looking in your services? All right, next slide. And this is just um, to kind of hit home that we do have some compliance that we have to make sure that we um, that we are adhering to. And so what you see on um, the screen is with ARPA, this is a federal pass through program. So the county is liable for every dollar that goes outside of its doors that we disperse. And so ultimately, we have to be um, compliant with U.S. Treasury and with any of the federal departments um, that provide funding to the county. And what that means for us is that we want to make sure that your projects are successful in, um, in working through and sustaining transformational projects. 
we also um, know that there are multiple other ways that we can um, provide funding. The first is through Loudoun County Human Services. You know, the board, it really, the funding for human services in the county is at the board's discretion. And our departments enforce compliance. So there is much more flexibility in what we would see from human service nonprofits funding or from core services funding or other county specific types of funding than there is through the ARPA dollars. So we are constrained in terms of what we can and cannot um, fund as a project through this effort because the county ultimately will be liable for compliance as well as the funding that is dispersed. And next slide, please. All right, so um, this next portion is just, I, I wanted to have a few questions up here, but um, if there are questions that uh, are burning right now, please either enter them in the chat or go ahead and open up your phone line. Um, just unmute yourself, introduce yourself and ask your question. We really want to hear some feedback from you um, as to, you know, what questions you have, what are some concerns or what do you see in terms of recovery um, from your organization's point of view? Are there any questions in the chat, Barb? There is. Um, for adults with disabilities, the continuation of their day services is nowhere near pre-COVID levels. How will this population be supported with the next funding round? Um, I think we need a bit more information um, when it comes to that. When you say nowhere near pre-COVID levels, I just realized I'm muted, sorry. Um, so I think we would wanna hear a little bit more about what the um, what the definition is for the change um, and what, uh, what pre-COVID levels looked like, and especially for adults with disabilities, if it's an employment program, if it's a housing program, if it's a day services program, what, um, what services are you, wanting to continue and um, in what ways are these evidence-based. And so what we would wanna do is take a look at the change and better understand how, how COVID has affected this particular um, clientele that you're serving so that we can better report and think about how that funding would be dispersed. Barb? Yes, Betsy, I see your hand up. Hi, okay. Yes. So I so I asked that question. And um, so the problem that we're seeing is people who have returned to day services because we have enough staffing in place. Um, they are doing very well. They're receiving their day services. They're meeting their daily goals. All of those things are happening on a, on a day, daily basis. But for people who are still um, unable to return to services because we have still not um, hired back all of the people that we need to get to be working for us so that we can go back to serving 25 individuals instead of 15 individuals. Is Will there be funding available to help us and to continue um, just getting people back to their day services? Because every person has their own 
um, staffing requirement. And if we don't have staffing to be one-on-one -on -one for 20 people, that excludes Loudoun residents from returning to services. So I'm trying to just to get a handle on that. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question, Betsy. And I appreciate the clarification. Um, especially when you're talking about staffing levels and safe staffing. Um, this is something that we would want to have additional conversations with you and with others who are supporting adults with disabilities, because it could be that we are looking at um, grant funds, federal grant funds as well. And we are in process of um, making an offer to an individual who would be solely their sole job would be supporting nonprofits in finding ARPA and other grant funds at the state and federal level. Um, because we know these 2.5 million is, is not going to cover everyone's needs. And we wanna make sure that we are able to support as the county um, as many grants as possible, as much funding as possible to bring it into the county. So I think that's going to require some further discussion to better understand how it's going to 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 work and what goals would really benefit your program. And so we hope to have that person on. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, we hope to have that person on in March and um, we will be introducing her um, hopefully by the end of March as well, so that we we are able to get her introduced to to everyone um, in the nonprofit community and and start some searching. Other questions? No other questions in the chat right now. Just some positive feedback about our new hire that it's awesome and thank you for the help on the with federal and state um, and excellent news. So. Wonderful. Yes, we know that we want to make sure that that our nonprofits are supported and in, in as much um, with as much support as we can. And that's certainly something that, you know, we can do. Um, so other questions or considerations, concerns, why don't we put up the slide nine, Barb, tranche two funding programs? Again, we're looking at ways that we can create sustainable change um, in our communities and make sure that we really are focusing on long-term effects, which is why um, we, we chose to kind of move into a specific um, funding model that has three big buckets. And again, these buckets are not set in stone just yet. Um, we do have opportunities for additional feedback, this being one of them, this introduces the concepts. We also have office hours that um, over the next three months, Barb and I and Christine will be hosting um, as part of our listening session so that we can better understand from you what some of the needs are. Are we focusing on the right things? Do we need our nonprofit support specialist to be searching for specific grants um, from specific agencies? Are there reporting issues, things like that? So we do know that um, a lot of the data that's collected has been difficult for some organizations to collect, um, although it is required for our federal reporting. So this nonprofit person will also help with um, with writing applications and helping um, figure out how to collect some of those data. But again, it's one person. I do want to temper and manage expectations. 
So with that, Negan, we had a question about the new hire. Um, will they assist with non-pass-through funding or only pass-through funding? That's a great question. Um, and right now, we are focusing on ARPA funding, so the pass-through funding. But that doesn't mean that they are limited to only looking for ARPA dollars. I will say we are funding this through ARPA funding, so it does need to be focused on that federal COVID response um, because that is a requirement of ARPA funding. Um, but that is not going to exclude them from looking more broadly as well. Any other questions? There Concerns? are no other questions in the chat. Just appreciation for the support. Okay. I, um, Barb, would it be possible it, for you to add the dates and times for the office hours in the chat? That would be really helpful. Um, we do have multiple opportunities for input, and I just want to make sure that you have them on your calendars. This will also be part of the follow-up. And I'm looking through my notes now to find them. <laughs> so bear with us. Um, are there any comments, questions? We want to make sure that we're capturing as much as we can now because we do um, plan on putting out a frequently asked questions document and linking to all of our, our meetings as well. So um, while Barb is putting it in the chat, I will also um, be just stating it here. We have March 9th from 1 to 2 is an office hour, March 24th from 10 to 11, April 4th from 1 to 2, April 21st from 9.30 to 10.30, and May 4th from 9.30 to 10.30. And again, these are opportunities to, you know, ask specific questions, think about um, any concerns that you may have or, um, you know, in what ways you would want to provide some feedback to the county so that we can better meet residents' needs. And did I see another question come through the chat? Let's see. Yep, um, okay. there is one other. Um, when do you expect an RFP to come out? That's a really good question. Um, right now, the item that was to go before the board um, early in February has been delayed. Um, so we are working to uh, to prepare for the item to go before the board. It's unclear when the item will go back, although it could be as early as March 1st, um, but that depends on feedback from nonprofits as well as um, from the board to better understand the direction they want us to take because ultimately this is the board's decision um, for how the funds will be expended and they have to take a lot into consideration these funds will be used um, you know globally arpa for the county can be used for environmental health um, affordable housing multiple um, initiatives that need immediate care in the county and so they have a lot of projects to weigh right now um, so unfortunately we don't have a set timeline when the rfp would be out but we do know that as soon as we can we want to get that out because we know many of you are providing emergency services that funds will run out um, june 30. so we're working as hard as we can on that 
Christine, I saw you come off mute. Yeah, <laughs> you can sense. <laughs> um, and I, I just wanted to touch on um, what you talked about earlier, too, on just these kind of transformational projects. What uh, Treasury does want us to look at, too, is it's a lot of um, revelation that the pandemic has brought to everyone's attention. Um, we have, you know, because the underserved populations were so disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, it has made it clear that there are things, root causes that should be addressed as well. So Treasury is encouraging everyone to really look at, um, at those kind of underlying problems, whether it's, you know, just economics, housing instability, um, things like that, just and I know this is probably something that's been on your minds, too, when you see the impact that the pandemic has just on your own operations. Some of those vulnerabilities that if you had that moment where you said, gosh, if I had a magic wand, I would fix this. A lot of ways this ARPA funding is a bit of a magic wand. We are getting a influx of funding that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's a real opportunity to think long term and how to um, expand services or really make a difference uh, to kind of get those households steady on, on their feet so they don't have that kind of impact if something, another storm happens to roll through. So so kind of get your creative hat on and, and think about this too if if there are ideas that's what this is for to make sure that we are not missing an opportunity that might be out there so i did put the um the input session information in the chat okay. um these will be happening virtually and you do not have to sign up for them um you can just pop in and pop out. You can stay the whole hour. You can come in, ask your question and leave. Um, so it's entirely up to you. This information can also be found uh, with the links to um, the the teams um, on the county's website. Um, if you go to loudin.gov and then grant opportunities, you'll be able to find the information there as well. Any other additional questions, comments, concerns? I always want to allow enough space um, so that for those of you who, like me, may take a minute to to formulate then write down my question and then put it either in the chat um, you know we'll, we'll make some space for that um, we do just want to reiterate uh, that we appreciate what what each of your organizations has contributed throughout the pandemic and and want to continue to partner um, to the best of our abilities to make sure that this federal pass-through is successful and and really helps to push the county forward with um, with services. Megan, we do have an additional question. Okay. How will the county determine the target for emergency services lessening? We're still seeing strong demand for for excuse me, for food support. 
Yeah, so this is actually something where we will have some additional conversations with specific organizations because, you know, we we have the data that suggests that um, there is a slowdown in some areas um, for, you know, potentially rental relief or for um, other types of assistance, but we're seeing consistent upticks in other areas. And it's unclear whether it is due to COVID. This is something that we are wrestling with um, at the county level and we'll we'll have continued conversations with organizations about. Um, as, as we went through tranche one funding, what we heard from many organizations who were providing that emergency support is it's more and more difficult to, um, to align the need with a direct negative impact of COVID because COVID has been ongoing for so long. So this is something that we have to really sit down with um, organizations and identify. Um, is it is it COVID um, or is it something else? And if it's something else, then we need to find other funding to support you. If it's directly related to COVID um, and, and kind of the negative impacts, then we could, you know, apply federal funds through ARPA. So, so those discussions will continue um, through the spring to make sure that we have as much information and can make an informed decision. Great questions. Any other questions? All right. We do have an additional question. Okay. Um, how many months of data on COVID impact to clients will you need? So I may need clarification on that question. Months of data on COVID impact. I'm not really sure what is meant by that. I can see it in two different ways. The first would be, um, do you as an organization have to determine how much a family has been impacted? Um, the answer is no. Um, they can, you know, a family, a resident, whoever is in need of services should have the, um, should have access to the services that they need, period. Um, if a, um, if a client is negatively financially impacted, um, especially if they are on that tail end of, of what we are seeing from some organizations where they had a strong job, they they didn't need any support, and then all of a sudden lost a major source of income, or, um, you know, their, their business has not yet recovered, and they are seeking out help. You know, we would want to know what the income range is um, and, and what those data would look like. Um, I think we also, you know, want you as organizations to make those determinations based on the data that you currently collect and the data um, that supports your service model. So, you know, if you're looking at specific months back related to um, related to a client's financial situation, we don't necessarily need how many months have they been impacted. What we would need is, are they impacted now? And what is their um, income level? And so we would need to know if it's COVID related 
that's the that's the issue is we want to make sure that we are capturing the right populations and if it's not covid related um you know that that we are finding additional funds for you in other ways and it also is a chance to determine the best long-term solution uh, like just using the example of having lost a job um, it is well recognized that the longer someone is without work, the harder it is for them to get their incomes back up to where it had been. Um, they saw that with the recession after 2008. So if if it's like a job related problem, um, even if it's now been lingering on for you know, COVID related, what a solution may be is more attacking that job problem. And Treasury is clear that they want to find solutions and they give us plenty of eligible uses. So if the solution is to off, you know, get them in some sort of training program or some way to get that person back to work full time, uh, if it's making sure they have child care so they can get back to work full time, um, those are the solutions we want to explore. So we might not necessarily say okay, here's more food assistance because you're without, but we've got to say, okay, you haven't been able to get back to work. Let's see how we can get you back to work. And if you need childcare to get you back to work, if you need transportation to get you back to work, that kind of stuff. So those are, Treasury is flexible on those eligible uses because they want us to find the solution to a root cause or a prolonged problem. Um, they don't want to see anybody without work um, for any longer than they have to be, so. All right, any, as we close out the hour, um, any other questions, concerns, comments? We do encourage you to um, join us for our office hours. Again, you know, those are going to be uh, likely smaller groups, so it would be a much more free-flowing discussion um, for your specific questions and specific uh, services. So, you know, certainly bring those to the office hours if you're able. If not, please email any of the three of us. We work very closely together um, with questions or comments as needed, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Also, keep checking um, the Loudoun County website for updates. As we learn them, we try to post them as quickly as possible. So we really appreciate your input and feedback and just the services that you provide. We have an amazing nonprofit community and we want to make sure that you continue to thrive. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great afternoon.